This is Tate Talks on iHub Radio, a fresh perspective on how to live your best life. Combining biological sciences, mind-body medicine, nutrition, and exercise. This is the place to get the big picture on health and wellness. Live from the iHub Radio studios in Palm Springs, California, here's functional medicine certified health coach and award-winning wellness expert, Jason Tate. Hi, this is Jason Tate, and you're on Tate Talks, and the very first show. I'm so excited to have you here with me today and my guests. Uh, we have a guest in the show today, a friend of mine, and I'll introduce him in just a moment. But let me talk a little bit about myself and what I'm doing here. I'm a high school biology teacher of 15 years, turned nutrition teacher, turned functional medicine certified health coach, and pre-med educator. I also do a lot of public speaking around health and wellness locally here in Palm Springs, California, as well as around the nation. And also in the studio with me today is my friend and producer, Alexandra. Hi, Thank you, Jason. Alexandra. <laughs> this is exciting. It's very exciting. Very exciting. Uh, first show. So just getting those first show jitters out. And I'm so excited to be here with you today. Uh, speaking of functional medicine, as a functional medicine certified health coach, this is how I met uh, my friend who's here in the studio with me today. And I'd like to introduce you to Dr. Joseph Scherger. He's a primary care family medicine in 365 at the La Quinta, California Eisenhower Argyros Center. Uh, he's a leader in transforming the office practice and has special interests in nutrition and wellness. He's the author of two books, 40 Years in Family Medicine, and Lean and Fit, A Doctor's Journey to, health, to Healthy Nutrition and Greater Wellness. Dr. Sugars received numerous awards, including being recognized as a top doc in San Diego for six consecutive years. He was voted Outstanding Clinical Instructor at the, at the University of California Davis School of Medicine for three years. And in 1989, he was the Family Physician of the Year by the American Academy of Family Physicians and the California Academy of Fa Family Physicians. He enjoys an active family life with his wife, Carol, and his two sons, Adrian and Gabriel. He's completed 40 marathons, 10 50K, and five 50-mile ultra-marathon trail runs. Wow. And there's a reason I have this man, this friend of mine, on my very first show, and I'm so honored and excited to have you here. Thank you for coming, Joe. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you, Jason, for having me. So we're going to talk about elements in health and wellness, and there's so many things that we can talk about, so we're just going to try and uh, fit it in here. And, and I want to talk first about functional medicine. Uh, this is how I met uh, Joe couple years ago now. Um, he's also an award winner, many awards, <laughs> uh, and he and I both won awards here in the desert. But functional medicine is something that is a toolkit, but I'd like for, our, for you to explain to me and talk about functional medicine a little bit. Sure. Well, functional medicine is a change of focus from mainstream medicine. Mainstream medicine diagnoses what health problem you have, we call it a disease, mm -hmm. and then comes up with a treatment program to either hopefully get rid of or manage that disease. And medicine today is dominated by chronic health problems like high blood pressure, high cholesterol, uh, diabetes, arthritis problems, 
the list is very, very long. There are 10,000 recognized mm. classification of diseases. In functional medicine, we look for the root cause of the disease. It turns out our lifestyle, our modern uh, industrial uh, American lifestyle is at the root cause of most of our diseases. And so functional medicine goes to look for that root cause and address that, treat that in a way that the disease actually goes away. Uh, our bodies want to heal if we create the right environment, and that's what functional medicine is all about. That's great, and uh, it, I, I'm sure it definitely resonates with your patients as you meet with them and they come to you. And so what is, what is an appointment like as a functional medicine doctor uh, versus the traditional Western medicine methods? Well, for example, if I have a patient who comes to me with their type 2 diabetes, mm -hmm. the most common 95% of diabetes is type 2. It's a very high blood sugar. And uh, my, I begin by saying, uh, how would you like to not have diabetes? Mm -hmm. And often they are surprised. Uh, but when they know that I actually now reverse diabetes uh, routinely, uh, no one has to be a type 2 diabetic. You may have a genetic tendency toward it, but your genes are not your destiny. Uh, but we can reverse it. And so we create a picture for what they would need to do to get rid of their diabetes. And the opportunity to go off their drugs and not have that disease is quite compelling. Uh, often they're well-motivated. Great. And so when you speak with your patients, uh, of course you talk about diet, right? Diet and lifestyle. And something that I learned from you and I want to share with, uh, with everyone uh, that about as far as the diet is concerned, you mentioned something when you came and spoke at my school about a breakfast bowl. And I was inspired by that. And I have adapted that into my diet and my lifestyle. And I have one almost every day. So I'd like to hear from you, share with me what it is that is kind of your breakfast or your brunch routine. We're going to talk later in the show about fasting and how important that is for kind of resetting the body and the gut and, and setting yourself on a path of reversing chronic diseases and staying healthy. But part of it, when you do eat something, and I know you generally only eat a couple of meals a day, so tell me a little bit about this breakfast bowl that you make for yourself. Well, the most important thing, Jason, is it's very low carbohydrate. We consume far more carbohydrates than man was ever designed for. But carbohydrates are our key to our food industry and our food culture, whether it be sodas or chips or pastries. It's on and on. We're now consuming about 65 to 75 percent of our calories in carbohydrates, and that should only be maybe 20 percent of our calories at most in natural starches of nature. So it's this carbohydrate intoxication. Mm. Uh, I, I work on people not having cereals, pastries, mm -hmm. uh, muffins, bagels. These things are all just heavy in carbohydrates. They drive up your blood sugar and, uh, and cause the increase of body fat. So in the morning, you st when you start the day with protein and healthy fats, such mm -hmm. as with nuts, raw nuts we're talking about, 
uh, things like almonds and walnuts and pecans and Brazil nuts. Those are the four that I usually have. And then I add to that some very healthy seeds like ground flax seed, but you could use chia seeds or mm-hmm. hemp seeds. Mm-hmm. But uh, And then uh, add some fresh berries to it. Berries are the one fruit that is truly a superfood that makes us healthy. Uh, when I have some plain yogurt, Nothing low-fat, because low-fat means more sugar. Mm -hmm. So when I have a plain yogurt, I like goat milk yogurt because it doesn't have the inflammatory protein that you find in cow's milk. And then I top that off with unsweetened coconut milk, which has got healthy fat in it. So it's it's actually a healthy fat, ample protein. And you have something like that What you're amazed is you'll never really feel hungry the rest of the day. You can go easily 12 hours or more with that. I'll often top that off with one of the healthiest foods you can eat, which are actually eggs. I mean, I'm talking about good, organic, Mm -hmm. healthy eggs. Mm -hmm. Whenever you eat an animal product, you're eating whatever that animal ate. And if the animal was in a cage fed hormones and grains and things that aren't natural to them, they're not going to make healthy eggs or even healthy meat. Right. Yeah, that's great. And a great point. We'll definitely talk in future shows about considering the source of your animal protein and the source of your food for sure. So I want to share with you how I've adapted uh, what I learned from you and your breakfast bowl when you came and shared that in my classes and with my students. So I do the same thing. I do raw nuts. Um, I do raw walnuts. I do raw pecans, raw almonds, and raw cashews. And I add into that mix coconut flakes. And so you can either put all those things into a food processor or you can put them uh, or you can chop them up with a knife on, on the cutting board. And so in addition to that, you mentioned seeds. I added sunflower seeds and pumpkin seeds to my mix, and I call it kind of the brunch bowl or breakfast bowl. And I don't do the goat's milk yogurt, but I do coconut milk yogurt, and I do an unsweetened vanilla coconut milk yogurt. I like the So Delicious brand. Uh, It has a great flavor. So I put that on there, and then I top it off with some blueberries and strawberries. And usually that's good. Um, I just experimented recently and I put some cinnamon on top of that and it was a game changer for me. (laughs) It added a really fun flavor. And on those days where I know I'm going to need more, it's a really intense day and I've got some hard workouts in the morning and the afternoon, or there's a lot going on for me. I'll do a, a scoop of a big tablespoon scoop of raw, creamy almond butter on top of that. Well, that's all very healthy, Jason. There are so many wonderful foods to eat. You know, when I tell people to give up breads and give up sweets, they, they often look at me and say, what am I going to eat? Yeah, right. And uh, <laughs> on my website, I talk about the, the superfoods, the 52 healthiest foods we can eat. And there are even choices within those foods. You've mentioned several of them. Mm-hmm. So uh, there are so many healthy things to eat. Uh, But then the other part of reversing type 2 diabetes and the overweight obesity that leads to it is to learn not to eat. Right. Uh, That we're not really designed to be eating near as much and near as often as we do. Uh, As hunter-gatherers, which is 97% of our time on Earth as a species, we really only ate one meal a day. 
And uh, there's nothing health-wise about three meals a day. It's a cultural thing. Mm -hmm. So I work with people to get them to focus on a couple meals a day. If they want a snack, to snack on something healthy like nuts. Uh, you know, sometimes I'll just have an apple, uh, and uh, but not you know otherwise a full meal. Right. And that way you can you can eat twice a day. For really overweight people who want to get a jump start. You know, if you, we only lose fat by burning it, right? And we don't burn fat if we've got carbs on board to burn, right? So even when you're eating healthy, it takes about 12 hours to burn off your carbs before you even begin to burn fat. So I work on getting people to eat their two meals in an eight-hour period, and that's why you use the word brunch. Uh, like for example, mm -hmm. if you eat between 11 and seven, or noon and eight o'clock, that's an eight-hour period. They can go overnight and then just have water, coffee, or tea uh, in the morning, uh, be active, and they're burning fat all morning. And we're going to talk about that later in the hour, yeah. about fasting, a little bit more about this. I mean, we, we're just teasing you into it right yeah. now. And this segment, one of the segments that I'll be offering every week is Here's to Your Health. Uh, another one is What Moves You. So more on that coming up uh, with Dr. Joe Sugar. Remember to call us at iHub Radio 760-544-TALK-8255 and visit us on iHubRadio.com. and wellness conversation from A to Z. This is Tate Talks on iHub Radio with Jason Tate. You're here with Jason Tate and I'm having the studio with me today, my friend, Dr. Joe Sugar. We're talking about fasting, we're talking about reversing chronic diseases, we're talking about getting healthier and well. And so we were just talking about fasting and intermittent fasting. We didn't say the word intermittent yet, but I want to talk about intermittent fasting with my friend Joe. I started doing it after getting to know you a little better, and it it literally changed my life, and it changed the way that I feel about food, which says a lot because I really have been on a nutrition journey for almost two decades now, uh, taking a good hard look at my food and where it came from and my choices are as far as my diet. So as a family medicine physician, as a functional medicine doctor, where do you bring fasting into the conversation with your patients and also maybe share a little bit about how fasting has worked for you in your life? 
Well, fasting is really natural to us. It's been part of human culture for thousands of years. All three of the great religious traditions, Christianity, Judaism, and Islam, all have fasting as a source toward better health and mental clarity. And really in our modern life, we sort of let that go by the wayside. But uh, you know, Islam still fasts during Ramadan, but you can do it all year round. So mm-hmm. it's, it's back there. But people are surprised how long we can go without eating. And we can only live for three to five days without water. Mm-hmm. But I often ask a question, you know, how long could we go without eating? And it's interesting to get answers like seven days, 30 days, or whatever. Uh, but actually, the, the, the record is a medically monitored fast where this very heavy man, over 400 pounds, uh, did not eat for 382 days uh, in a medical environment. It's published in the medical literature. Now, technically, fasting is anything less than 500 calories with no carbohydrates. Right. But you do have to, if you're going to have a prolonged fast, more than three days, you need to get your micronutrients, your vitamins right. and your minerals in order to be healthy. Because you drink plenty of water while you're fasting, right. but you don't want to overdose with water without salt and other electrolytes. So in a prolonged medical fast, I mean, we don't need to worry about that if we're fasting for 16 or 24 hours. But any fast more than three days can't just be a water fast. It needs to include other things. And the best thing to do would be two cups of bone broth. Bone broth has those vital electrolytes and and vitamins that you would need on a short run. And that keeps you under the 500 calories for the day, right? Exactly. And uh, so depending on how overweight and how diabetic a person is, to really get them started to reversing diabetes, the the eight hour, 16 hour method is very slow to Mm -hmm. get toward goal. Mm -hmm. So I try to negotiate a longer fast, such as 24 hours, and maybe even up to three days, keeping really close with the person. Very often by day three, they're feeling so good, they've gotten (laughs) over that you know, fright, fear right. of not eating, right. that they're feeling so good that they want to keep going. Right. And then if they can, if you can get someone to fast for a week, um, you can really go a long way to making their diabetes disappear. They don't take their diabetes drugs while they're fasting, mm-hmm. with the exception maybe of metformin, because metformin doesn't cause a low blood sugar. But even with that, you scale way down on the dose. Right. That's great. I, I definitely, like I mentioned, I've done, and I still to this day do intermittent fasting. And on the weekends, it's even more intense. Uh, I'll have as little as one meal a day. And so what I share with my students um, is how I do this intermittent fasting, and I don't eat breakfast per se. I get up and go for a run or a walk in the morning without eating anything. I drink plenty of water. I have a little bit of coffee in the morning with uh, unsweetened coconut milk or macadamia nut milk. And then from there, I don't eat until around lunchtime. And so what I share with people and with my students is how in the morning I'm in fat burning mode, right? So as you mentioned, when we don't have the carbs, I think of carbs as as gasoline, as fuel for the engine, and it's a great source of fuel. But if you have extra fuel, right, if you have fat to burn, that's the fat burning time. And something that I love to share with people too is, that moment where you're feeling hungry and 
we're so spoiled, especially in Amer- as Americans, we're so spoiled. We get this feeling, oh, I'm hungry. I need to eat something, right? People automatically think if you have a hunger pain, you need to eat something. And that's just not the case. And to get over that feeling, that psychological, I'm hungry, I need to eat, I've shared with people, especially people who are trying to lose weight, think of that as an opportunity for your body to tell you, I need to burn some calories right now. And if there's no carbs, I'm going to be burning fat. Well, that's right. And often two cups of water will really blunt that hunger. Right. Uh, you just you fill up your stomach with some water. But the, the, the carbs drive hunger. So before you're going to begin a fasting, you ought to spend five to seven days detoxing from the, the, the simple sugars, the high glycemic carbohydrates that give you that widely fluctuating blood sugar all day. When you stop eating those foods, fasting becomes so much easier. This and so much more on the hour. Join us at iHub Radio 760-544-TALK-8255 or at iHubRadio.com. I'm here with Joe Sugar. Thank you. good for your mind and body, it's part of the discussion on Tate Talks. From iHub Radio, here's Jason Tate. Jason Tate here and my guest and friend in the studio, Dr. Joe Sugar. Thank you so much for being here with me today, Joe. My pleasure. <laughs> so we're going to talk about movement, but before we get into movement and exercise, we're going to talk about something called the six pillars of health. And there's different ways to measure your health, but this one leading into functional medicine. Joe, tell us about these six pillars of health that you share with your friends and family and patients. Well, to work with people to be healthy, you need to cover each of these bases, and they're general. We talked about nutrition. That's probably the most important. Second always comes physical activity, which is vitally necessary. But if you have chronic stress, you can't be healthy. Your blood sugar will be higher. So stress management, stress reduction, we all have stresses. You need to sleep well. You need to get restorative sleep. It's vital to your health. It should be without drugs. So that's another pillar to it. Um, Having meaning and purpose in your life is Mm -hmm. vitally important. You gotta be living for certain things. And and then we're social creatures. We need to have friends, family, even pets, things that we care about outside of ourselves socially. So all of those need to be intact or in decent shape. And sometimes I need to help a person with one of those others mm. before we can ever really get to good health. That's beautiful. And so it'd be, would you say that that would be a great thing to put, say, I don't know, on a wheel and kind of do a self-assessment? That's correct. Right? Yeah. Where am I at on my sleep? Uh, we can talk about sleep in just a minute, but you know, looking at a self-assessment, your social relationships, stress management, kind of, and there are tip, there are tools out there, and I will share some of these tools and measure measuring techniques on my website here at iHub Radio. 
So as far as sleep, and I, and I know you talk a lot about sleep. I share sleep. I, I tell my students it starts with sleep. You know, you can have a good diet. You can be active. But if you are just crushing yourself at night, uh, you're not getting, like you said, the restorative sleep. So what do you recommend for the average person? Well, the starting point is the the mistake that we do as whether we be teenagers or adults is we take our problems to bed with us. We mm-hmm. take our life to bed right. with us. We learned when we were two or three years old and our parents sent us to bed when we weren't even sleepy that we needed to go somewhere else. We needed to let go of our life and use our imagination, use our vision to go somewhere else. And most people who just sort of let go of their life and revisit a a wonderfully relaxing Mm -hmm. vacation or hike or something that gives them that visual imagery of someplace else, they're very often falling asleep. So put your thoughts, put your problems away just like your clothes. And your phones. And your phones, (laughs) of course, the screen and all that stuff, uh, the television, politics, you name it. It's sleep is about letting go. And if you're tired, uh, you can practice some good sleep breathing exercises and things like that. But it's just, it's all about letting go and letting your body fall asleep. So true. And later in the show and on many of my shows, I have a segment where we talk about mindfulness, movement. Uh, We talk about mind-body skills work. And I'll share some of these breathing techniques that are really great for calming down end of your day and also when you're overcome with stress one of the other pillars is movement exercise and you're very active you mind if i ask your age i'm 69 awesome and you've run marathons 50 mile ultra marathons uh, and i hear you're training for a 5k now can you tell us about that and your training regimen well, interestingly, Jason, as I gotten older, I've started to slow down some, and I got tired of the long distances. I mean, I really enjoyed them all when they happened. Uh, but the last 50K I entered in San Diego County, I ended up finishing after the closing time, and they wouldn't give me any credit for having run it. Uh-huh. And, and after eight hours and 20 minutes, I was a little upset by that. <laughs> but I took that as a message that maybe I ought to start giving up the long stuff. Plus, the, the research has said that burst, mm. high-intensity interval training, is actually probably the healthiest exercise we can do. And so I, I also realized that I used to enjoy running fast, and I kind of gave up running fast because I was running too long. Uh, now I've, I've got a trainer that I work with, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to improve my, my short time. Mm. And uh, it's interesting. Uh, a 5K is 3 miles and uh, 3.1 miles to right. be exact. I entered two 5K races just a month ago here in the desert and I did really good for my age group and with my trainer I've taken five minutes off my 5k time Uh, but I did uh, enter the the U.S. 5k Masters Championships in San Diego (laughs) and and I finished last in my age group so I realized I have a long way to go go. I ran pretty good but these guys from these track clubs all over America were just unbelievable Uh, and even the 70 year olds just zoomed ahead of me. So I've realized I'm not going to be a track star, uh, but I am going to keep working on that. And and it's interesting, my trainer, you know, after 
30, almost 40 years of being a long distance runner, it turns out I'm probably more of a sprinter. Oh, he, look at he, that. It's actually been shown that 400 yeah. meters might be my fastest time. Wow. So I'm going to be entering a track and field multi-distance Love competition it. here in February. At 69. And, and see where I'm at. <laughs> yeah. My, uh, they have videos of these guys in their 80s, even 90s, oh, and some so women great. over 100 who are kind of track stars. And I watch those and I go, I want to be one of them. And doesn't that renew your faith a little bit in the human spirit? I mean, as a as a physician, you tend to work with people when they're at their lowest. And so yeah. it's a kind of a microcosm. You're seeing in a myopic view of low health. So when you go out and you train at this 5K in your age group and you're last, gosh, that's got to feel good, at least for like what, taking a positive spin on it, right? for what's out there and what people are doing. Well, exercise is proven to be a more powerful mood lifter than any drug. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, if someone suffers from depression, exercise is far superior to any Prozac or whatever drug a person might be taking. And that's been clearly shown uh, as an antidepressant and a mood lifting. It lifts your serotonin and your dopamine, those critical neurotransmitters. But with with exercise, physical activity, uh, there's two kingdoms in the world. There's the kingdom of the fit and the kingdom of the out of shape. And, uh, and, <laughs> I like that. And, uh, and which one do you live, I ask right. my patients. And the, the admission ticket to the kingdom of the fit is five hours a week of physical activity okay. that's focused. Now, there's 168 hours in a week. Most people don't appreciate that. Right. So five hours of 168 Dropping to the something bucket. as important as eating and sleeping, uh, everyone has time to do it. The, right. the previous two presidents, whether it was Obama or Bush, whoever <laughs> you liked, they both exercised regularly, even though they had the hardest jobs in the world. Uh, we all can make that time to something that vital. But movement is half of it. Strength is the other half. So I do weightlifting. I focus on the strength of my upper body, my core, and my lower body. Mm-hmm. So, so a good blend of movement and strength training is the powerful combination for physical activity. That's great. I love that. And so I want to revisit uh, what we talked about. I had asked you a question about the amount of sleep. You said five hours a week. That's a really good measurement for people to kind of put into their bucket. All right, five hours. Where am I going to get my five hours? Look at their calendar. Some days, you know, I'll work 14 or 17 hours in the day. I'm booked out that far out. That might be a day that I don't necessarily make it to the gym in the evening, (laughs) but I still can get my morning run in Mm -hmm. uh, and maybe even do some stretching in between classes and so on. But um, so five hours a week minimum, right? As far as the sleep, I'd ask you about how much time, and I know I've heard you speak many times before, and and I love this. You mentioned in the past between six and eight hours, and you really kind of have to find your sweet spot, what works for you. What works for me is seven. Mm -hmm. Um, Six, I can manage. Below six, I'm a wreck. Um, And eight, beyond eight is actually too much for me, and I'm tired if I sleep more than eight hours. So seven is kind of my sweet spot. Is that still your recommendation, six to eight? Well, yes, uh, and your body will will let you know uh, when it's ready to wake up. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I often usually between six and seven hours of sleep, depending on how tired I am, what I did the day before. But one, I know when I'm awake, and when I'm awake, I'll do a little stretching in bed, 
uh, you know, allow myself to be up, and then I'll go ahead and get up. There's no reason to stay any longer. Uh, But it does, restorative sleep usually requires at least six hours, and seven is a good average sweet spot for many people. Mm And so something else, and I want to ask you about this. I've shared this with people before. Let's say you do have a terrible night's sleep for whatever reason. Uh, you know, it, it could be that you just had too much work to do. My students stay up late doing homework or other things, uh, gaming and whatever. How long does it take to recover from one night of three or four hours of sleep? I don't think anybody really knows that. Maybe the sleep experts do, but I think it's awfully individualized. And I I think we need to be practical about this. What I tell people and what I do myself is I've had a bad night's sleep. Make going to bed early the the following night Mm. a really high priority. Mm -hmm. I mean, your bedtime is a planned priority. Don't put it off. Don't wait for a second wind or don't think about all the stuff you need to get done today. You should make going to bed early. And so I'll often go to bed at 9 or 9.30 where my normal sleep time starts around 10.30. So I just get to bed early and and have a good night's sleep. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe that'll allow me to sleep an extra hour that night. Yeah, that's great advice. Uh, I appreciate that, yeah. and I'll definitely make sure that I implement that for myself as well. So something else that we're going to be talking about in the show, and I'd like to tell you, we're, every week I'm going to bring up what moves you. And we'll talk about the science of movement and exercise and give you some tips and some ideas on how to stay fit and stay healthy. So we're going to be sharing that in the show today as well. So here in the studio with my friend Joe Scherger, uh, we're on iHub Radio, 760-544-TALK-8255, and you can listen to us on iHubRadio.com, having an engaging and beautiful discussion about what it means to be healthy and well and how to achieve this, really at any age. Joe Sugar here, age 69, um, evolving still, right? And finding out at age 69 that he has more fast-twitch fibers possibly than the slow-twitch fibers I had a similar journey growing up. I played many different sports, six different sports, and I had a lot of fun. And I'm still an athlete to this day. And sprinting was kind of my forte, uh, very fast. And I was always afraid of long distance runs. And so listening to and watching some of these distance runners and then also hearing from you inspiring me, I said, you know what? I'm going to stop saying that I'm only a sprinter and I'm going to start running distance because we are who we believe we are. And the, the limiting belief of me saying, speaking out loud, I can only run fast distances, that was limiting me. So I've changed that and I'll be sharing more about how to do that for yourself. Uh, I've done it for myself and it's been revolutionary. Thank you for joining us. This is iHub Radio at iHubRadio.com. 760-544-TALK-8255. Feel free to call in with your questions.
inspiring you with the tools and knowledge to make the necessary changes to live life optimally. This is Tate Talks on iHub Radio. Jason Tate here with my friend, Joe Sugar. We're talking right now about what moves you. This is a weekly segment that I'll be featuring, Tate Talks Weekly Featuring, providing you with the science and tips on how to move to stay fit in body and brain. So I want to share a, a tip that I'd heard recently, actually from my friend and producer here, Alexandra, yeah. <laughs> a uh, mentor of hers, a Yogi, it talked about before you get out of bed in the morning, as you're waking up, before you swing your legs and roll out of bed, that you kind of move your wrists a little bit, roll your wrists and roll your ankles, getting some blood flow into the joints. Something else that I think that I do when I teach yoga classes is to touch your thumb to each of the fingers on the same hand, because it does take a bit of cognitive effort to do that. So you're kind of waking up the mind, waking up the body. I have wellness expert, primary care physician, and my dear friend Joe Sugar here, and he wants to also share with us what are some things that I can do, that you can do, that you do in the morning that's kind of part of your morning healthy routine. Well, I love those suggestions. They all are, they all are movement. Uh, they're relaxed movement to waking ourselves up, to, to limbering ourselves up by, by moving our joints. Mm-hmm. Uh, the older you get, the stiffer you are in the morning. Uh, but even if you're an athlete, you're going to have some morning stiffness. And, and you want to loosen that up. I call it, you know, get the cobwebs out mm-hmm. and get things loosened up before you try to take off. And, and dynamic stretching is now really uh, the, the healthy way of stretching, not forcing your muscles or joints to go into a position they don't naturally go into. Mm. That actually causes muscle injury. Stretching is one of the most common causes of muscle injury. So it's important to do it right. And of course, the, the, uh, the Chinese with their Tai Chi and uh, we, mm-hmm. uh, we practice that a lot, yoga. Mm-hmm. All of those uh, activities are usually very healthy morning exercises and stretching to get us started for the day. And by dynamic stretching, this is something that I learned and I mentioned with this with you as an athlete and as a coach working with the youth, dynamic stretching is different from static stretching. Whereas a static stretch, you know, you're, maybe you're laying on the ground, you have your leg out in front of you and you're just reaching for your toes. Whereas dynamic stretching is, can incorporate kind of a walking, you know, doing lunges, walking and bringing your foot up to touch your hand. And you can still stretch out the same muscle groups in a dynamic moving way. That's well, what that's you're talking right. about. And, and in uh, sports, basketball has learned that the best. If you watch a basketball team before they're going to start playing, they're not laying on the ground stretching their legs as far as they go. They're doing jumping jacks and dancing and mm. things like that on the floor to really get nice and limbered up. And that really should be true for almost any sport. Right. Yeah. And I've heard that more professional athletes, sport programs, and, and so on and so forth, they are incorporating things like yoga. Uh, and I've also heard recently that they're incorporating a lot of mindfulness uh, because of the stress, but also being able to perform, you know, in the body, you can be prepared in your body. The preparation at that point on game day comes in the mind. Yeah. 
So. No question about it. I mean, we are mind-body creatures, and the mind is vitally important. You want to have a, a yogi's mind almost, the yep. beginner's mind, as they call it, about it, to kind of empty out the garbage from your mind and be focused on what you're about to do. Um, and it's really, it's really important. Uh, there, there's an interesting book called The Rise of Superman about these, uh, these extreme sports people, mm. these, these guys on skateboarders doing these unbelievable things. And if they do it wrong, they might die. Wow. And what they have to do to be mentally prepared to do one of those things is, is an incredible uh, exercise. Their, their bodies are developed for it, uh, but their mind really has to be completely empty right. for, except for what they're about to do. Unbelievable. And, uh, and uh, we can all use that. Mindfulness is having a 100% focus on what you're doing right. or what you're about to do. Just get the garbage out. And I love that you mentioned Empty Your Cup. That is the name that I chose for my weekly feature on mindfulness, Empty Your Cup. Love it. We're going to talk about that. Before that, I want to find out where I can... Where can I find out more information about you? You're such a wealth of knowledge and information and the books that you've read and that you've reviewed and talked about. Where can I find more about some of the information that you have available and how can I learn more from you? Well, thank you. After reading about 20 to 30 books on nutrition and healthy lifestyle, I decided to put it together uh, in a book of my own, which was the Lean and Fit book. So I self-published on Amazon. Uh, it's called Lean and Fit, and it's readily available. And then my website is leanandfitlife.com. So leanandfitlife.com has loads of resources for people uh, to pick and choose from, a suggested reading list. And then I write very short blogs. I've got a whole list of blogs when I when I uh, read an interesting book or learn new facts I don't claim to be an original on anything mm -hmm. but I I've borrowed you know from everybody who's reversing cognitive decline to reversing right. autoimmune diseases I mean we just really talked about the uh, the type 2 diabetes right. but almost every chronic illness probably the only chronic illness you can't reverse is wear and tear arthritis osteoarthritis <laughs> right. but all the other ones are uh, you can you can do go a long way toward reversing them love that and so this information is found at leaninfitlife.com I want to sincerely reach out and say thank you for being on my show. Well, it's my pleasure, and I hope you'll have me back. Uh, definitely. I, I was just going to invite you back. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to talk more about health and wellness here at Tate Talks. Uh, this is iHub Radio at iHubRadio.com, 760-544-TALK-8255. If you have questions, uh, if you want to be a guest, uh, reaching out to anyone. This is a chance for us to, for me really, to actually expand on my classroom and have a much bigger classroom. Uh, so, and I'll talk a lot more about that. Coming up soon, we have uh, a thought to digest uh, where we'll be bringing up uh, careful consideration, quotes, ideas, thoughts, as well as empty your cup. I'll be doing a meditation, a guided imagery exercise, a lot of different ways to kind of get back into what Joe and I spoke about as far as getting healthy sleep for the night and taking care of your mind and your body. 